Greetings, listeners. This is Dan again for the next episode. Uh, today I have a very special guest named Zach on. Introduce yourself, Zach. Uh, hi, Dan. Long time listener, first time caller, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and today we are going to talk about networking. Uh, not with people, uh, very much the opposite. Um, <laughs> We're going to talk about things like internet and overall LAN networking. Um, so I think, Zach, you and I have maybe a little more interest and experience in networking than maybe the average bear. And uh, for me, that's because of a personal experience I had that kind of got me interested in learning about networking and putting together a good, robust home land system. And uh, I'll tell you that story. Um, it was when I was on a, uh, a work co-op in college, and I lived in a, a duplex. So it was essentially a house with a division in the middle to separate the two sides. And each side had three co-ops, uh, including me, and only one side had an ISP-provided Wi-Fi router modem combo unit. And mm -hmm. uh, that happened to be not my side. <laughs> uh, and at this point, I already knew that I like to plug things in with Ethernet. I have a avid determination to avoid Wi-Fi if I can. And of course, in this situation, all I had was Wi-Fi, and that Wi-Fi was several feet away on the other side of a wall. Not which, too accessible. Yeah, not super accessible. So the, the first step for me was I ha happened to bring a 50-foot Ethernet cable with me that I had been using in my dorm room. Mm-hmm. And very fortunately for us, this duplex was small enough for me to go over to the other side, because I knew the guys on the other side, it wasn't a big deal, and hook up one end to the ISP router, run it downstairs to the basement, run it across the basement ceiling, and then kind of jimmy in a hole at the top of the drywall between the two sides and run it over to my side. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I bought a Ethernet switch, um, which was a, uh, a Netgear Nighthawk 8-port switch, their first kind of Nighthawk switch. Right, right. And it's got that nice, like, magnesium alloy chassis mm -hmm. um and the cool lights and everything yeah no I, I know exactly the ones you're talking about really cool switch um just for the way it looks and feels it's it's pretty neat but um that's more than you have to spend but i knew i wanted to kind of get into it and learn something right so, right I, I ran that, that cable all the way over to our side, hooked up the switch, and we continued to distribute wired Ethernet to our side. Right. And eventually, 
the ISP provided router decided to pack up and go home. Um, <laughs> best I can figure, it had been there for roughly three to five years and uh, had never really been upgraded. Had overstayed um, its welcome. Yes. It was no longer functioning good. <laughs> um, and by good, I mean it didn't work at all. <laughs> <laughs> so this involved me getting home from work and discovering that we essentially didn't have internet um and so i took it upon myself to go box up the old isp router drive all the way to the isp uh office which luckily was like a couple miles away too bad and um ask them to, you know, check it out, you know, see if there's an outage at our, at our property, you know, can I, can I check the cables or something? And so they verified that there wasn't an outage at the property and they gave me a new coax cable to, to plug into it from the, from the telephone pole where it was coming into the, to the house. Right. So I, I tried that, still didn't work. So then I, I took it outside and literally hooked it up straight to the telephone pole. <laughs> <laughs> and it still didn't work. Um, so she was dead. Um, so after that, I drove back to the ISP office. And by this time it's like five 30 and they close at like, you know, five 30. And, uh, I come in and it's the same guy there. And I'm like, it doesn't work. Can we do something? And so he hands me a new, a new, uh, router. And of course this is like a full Wi-Fi generation newer, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and for for those who are uninitiated, you might have seen Wi-Fi N, uh, which was the previous generation, and the new one was AC or Gen Five. Yeah. And it was like a completely different form factor, like a different brand, like everything. It was it was a solid upgrade. So I took that back, plugged it in, it worked, great. By this time, I was pretty much sick and tired of dealing with this situation. Um, so I started looking into, you know, getting a, a second router for the other side of the duplex. Mm -hmm. And at this point, you know, I'm looking at the typical Netgear, you know, all in one routers like most people have. Um, one of my roommates actually had an, I think it was an airport extreme, you know, back when Apple actually made routers. Yeah. I had one of those. It, it could have been worse. It wasn't that bad. Yeah. I mean the, the Apple setup process was kind of frustrating, but I do recall that. Yeah. I mean, it, it did the job for, for a while. Um, mm -hmm. it was also Wi-Fi N, so not the latest generation. Right. It wasn't AC yet. Which I don't think they made any during the AC generation. Um, 
but it had like it had like a special antenna that allowed you to get pretty much AC speeds, but only on Apple products. <laughs> and of course. It, it was it was okay, you know. Yeah. But um, by this point, you know, we're we're still having you know six people, each of us with multiple devices, you know, gaming, streaming, doing whatever all the time. <laughs> so. Luckily, we had 200 megabit internet service, so the the bandwidth wasn't a huge issue. But you know, it, we were using quite a bit, um, right? So I started looking into quality of service or QoS, which is essentially a prioritization algorithm or a tagging scheme that says, "Hey, this packet or this information is." more time-sensitive than the other stuff, so send it through first. Right. And I also learned about a thing called buffer bloat, which is essentially where the internal memory in the router that you're using doesn't keep up with the amount of bandwidth and traffic that's flowing through it, and so Mm -hmm. it just kind of stacks up, and then eventually it goes through. Um, And that's bandwidth-dependent, of course, but... Essentially, a router is just a small computer. So, I mean, it's still got a processor. It's still got RAM. It's still got, you know, an OS that it runs. Right. And it can can, uh, be a bottleneck if you have enough traffic and and, uh, bandwidth going through it. So then I learned about Ubiquity which is a brand that makes more business-oriented networking equipment. They make Wi-Fi, they make routers, they make switches, they make now all kinds of stuff. They have security cameras and (laughs) doorbells and everything. Yeah. Um, And they had a kind of a smart algorithm for quality of service that was shown to pretty much eliminate buffer bloat concerns and provide a better gaming experience by keeping the latency down. Mm -hmm. And latency is the, essentially the amount of time it takes for something from your computer to go out to a destination server and return and, and do that whole cycle. Right. Um, And of course, when you're gaming, you want, usually less than about 50 milliseconds of latency, Mm -hmm. which is uh, very attainable with a good wired Ethernet network. Um, So I decided to take the plunge and just get a a small office business-grade router. And this is just a router. Uh, This doesn't include Wi-Fi. Um... It just has, it's just a small box. It's essentially a five port ethernet switch that does routing too. Yeah. No, once you get to that point in small office technology, I mean, you know, anything, anything halfway decent is pretty single use. It's not, it's not like where you have a home router that, oh, this is also a firewall and this is also, you know, a network manager and things like that. Yeah, and that's one thing that most people don't realize is they think, oh, the Wi-Fi is down. Right. Well, <laughs> what you what you really don't 
realize is that that one box that your ISP provides you is a modem that takes the ISP signals and translates it into stuff you can use. It's got a router. It's usually got an Ethernet switch, and it's got a Wi-Fi access point. It's four components just in a single box. So there are lots of different things that can go wrong with it. But uh, so I, I got a Edge Router X by Ubiquity, which is actually, I think, one of their greatest tools and products. It's like a $60 little Ethernet firewall router. Mm-hmm. And I proceeded to figure out how to get it set up. And of course, the person who's buying one of these, I think it's pretty well expected that they know how to operate a uh, a complicated right. router, which I did not. So <laughs> I proceeded to break it and have to reset it like three times over like three hours. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> and, and eventually... I figured out how to get it working. And from there, I actually piggybacked it off of the ISP provided router and really? used it as, as essentially our own kind of traffic management QoS router. Yeah. Um, just so, you know, when we've got two people streaming and two people downloading a game and two people gaming, the people who gaming, the people who gaming, um, <laughs> they don't get just way behind on latency because our bandwidth is being slammed by people downloading and streaming. Right. Um, and it worked really, really well. And I learned a lot from that. Um, the Ethernet switch, the Nighthawk switch I got, also had port assigned uh, priority on it. So I could assign my Xbox and my PC the highest priority <laughs> and then tell everything else to take a number. Right. Um, which is essentially what you want. So QoS... Especially as the guy setting it up. Yeah, I was the I was the sysadmin for the address, and uh, <laughs> I was able to, uh, I think, actually provide a, a better quality of service for everybody. So everybody was actually very appreciative. Um, I yeah, I can assume. And and so. by this point, I'm like you know 150 dollars into this, and not done yet. <laughs> right, just um, with the. Uh... Just with the initial purchase. At this point, these are just playthings for me. And oh, by the way, you guys can benefit too. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, that was actually really interesting and a lot of fun. And of course, very helpful. So uh, we had excellent wired Ethernet performance. Uh, at this point, we're starting to see the limitations of our wireless access points Mm -hmm. or at least in my mind we are um (laughs) so i got a ubiquity uh apac light which is their cheapest ac generation access point okay which i mean is still business grade which means it can still handle like you know 
50 concurrent users or something like that. Right, right. <laughs> so still way more than we would ever need. But um, the key with with a a dedicated access point is that you can, first of all, dial in the signal strength, which you can still do with a lot of ISP-provided uh, routers and access points. But this one, you can dial it in and then um, actually have it do a radio frequency scan of the mm -hmm. area because it's a it's a transceiver. It, it sends and receives through Wi-Fi. Yeah. And it can essentially look at all of the signals that is in the area and kind of steer the the channel and bandwidth uh, of the of the radio signals to hmm. avoid those to avoid any interference which is really really cool absolutely and um, you can also view you know everything that's using it you can view it things that have used it in the past. You can set up a, uh, a guest login system. So like when you, you know, go to a mall or something and they have the free Wi-Fi, and they're like, Hey, give us your email address. You can, <laughs> you can set that up with it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so have really, really finite control over everything. Yeah. Which, I enjoyed learning about, and I also enjoyed having the features that it provided. So at that point, I got two more access points. Um, <laughs> I shut off the Wi-Fi on the ISP provided unit and was pretty much just using the ISP unit as a modem. Yeah. Everything else was running on, on my systems. So did you now have... Uh, three of the APACs? I had... So I, I misspoke. I got one more. So I had two total. Oh, okay, okay. One, one for each side of the house. Which right. was about right. I mean, that's was pretty, pretty good for the square footage we had. I think I only had to turn the power up to medium or so okay. to, to cover the whole area. And I also got another eight-port switch for the other guys on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> course you did <laughs> so we now had a fully completely business grade system that was probably better than what we had at work <laughs> yeah probably <laughs> um but i got to keep it all afterwards too <laughs> so i mean that helps yeah so i i have since maintained all of those items i actually got yet another eight port switch um, the, the second eight port switch I got at the, uh, at the house on the co-op was a TP link. Yep. Um, which it was, it was weird. It said unmanaged, like right on the case, uh -huh. but it was definitely a managed switch. And what that means is that you can... You can go to you can type in the IP address of the switch on your computer, and you can go in and customize the settings and manage how it operates. Right. I actually I had a very 
similar experience with a TP-Link 5-port switch. Yeah. Uh, I bought that. That was the first Ethernet switch I ever bought when I was trying to fit my PC and my Xbox all in my room at my parents' house and didn't want to run another cable. <laughs> yeah, as one does. Uh, yes, absolutely. But that one was also, I'll call it a lightly managed switch, <laughs> although not advertised as such. Yeah, it, it's kind of goofy. Um, but so that unlocks all the all the like quality of service features, the port prioritization, mm-hmm. and uh, and VLANs, which I'll I'll get into later. But um, I proceeded to kind of discover that whenever there's like a major power blip, it can like lose some of the settings that you have set up. Really. Yeah, so I I gave that one to my parents <laughs> and replaced <laughs> it with a better one. But that's uh, one way to get rid of it. Yeah, so from there I also added a a Raspberry Pi that runs the software management for my access point and my Ethernet switch mm-hmm. and Pi Hole which is a, yeah. a whole network ad blocker. Mm-hmm. And I'm at a point where I'm really happy with the way things work. The The uptime of my system has been pretty much flawless, and uh, the performance is far better than I've ever experienced at you know a, a home setting. Yeah. So, Zach, I know you've done more research into this and maybe have done more book learning than I have, but, uh, give me the lowdown on what you got, what got you interested in networking? I would say, I mean, it was definitely, it wasn't, unfortunately I don't have a great story like you did where I heroically provide Wi-Fi to myself and my college friends with a business set up for you know super cheap uh i just started needing more and more out of uh the network at my parents house i as i was growing up i needed uh faster download speeds i couldn't figure out you know knowing nothing i was like why is this whole thing so terrible everything is slow it's awful and i want to change it so you know, I did some research, convinced my parents to buy a better router. Um, I don't think I ever talked them into upgrading uh, the actual internet service, which I tried. But you know, um, you know, pick your pick and choose your battles. Um, but you know, I got a new router and we set it up, and it was better. And I started, you know, playing around with some of the settings and features um i did have to get into things like port forwarding because it was very uh necessary that i get minecraft servers up and running that's one thing Um, i haven't ventured into yet (laughs) really uh i would uh, it's not something i've done in a long time uh because the only thing i've done with it is set up minecraft servers and it's currently 2020 so you know, haven't been uh, setting up too many of those. But 
from there, I just, I decided that I, you know, I kind of learned what I like in a router and it led me to the one I have today. Uh, I unfortunately do not have a ubiquity setup, although, I mean, that's probably where I'm headed at this point. Uh, right now I have a Netgear Nighthawk AC1750. I imagine it's pretty similar to what the guys on the other side of the duplex had uh, when you started your journey. Yeah. Um, and it works great as a, uh, as a router for my personal use. I have a basement, main floor, and upper floor that it seems to get signal to okay. Um, it sits right next to uh, my gaming consoles, so those are run on Ethernet. But my PC right now is actually over Wi-Fi, which, again, like you said, isn't something I usually like to do. Uh, but I've actually been pretty impressed with the performance, and I have it hasn't bugged me enough to run a cable at this point. So can't be too bad. Um, I will say I've set up some newer routers that are similar to mine. And Netgear really seems to be pushing their Netgear Nighthawk app, which gets really annoying when you're trying to set things up. Um, you kind of mentioned this earlier. Generally, you'll go to an internet browser and you'll type in uh, the IP address of the router, which on your local network is 192.168.1.1. Uh, and I think that that should always, no matter what, you know, get you to the router. But on some of the newer ones, it basically just comes up with an ad. It's like, oh, hey, just put this on your phone. And you can't skip it. Really? Really. So while my router works honestly pretty great for what I have it set up to do, I can't say I would really recommend it to anybody else. That's really interesting to me. And the, the other thing to keep in mind is... Uh, with a with an app based setup like that, you're likely opening up a UPnP port or universal plug and play yes. or some other kind of port or path of entry for things you don't want to enter. Um, which is one thing I've done quite a bit of learning about since I have a business grade system because that's right. things that businesses have to pay attention to and it's, yes, been, absolutely. it's been pretty interesting learning about just all of the vectors of just junk on your network <laughs> yeah absolutely and that's including your your smart home devices your you know your light bulbs and your your uh switched your your wi-fi outlets and and things like that um and even like your your TV and your Roku and your Xbox and stuff, the, yeah, those are giant gaping holes for potential things to go through. Yeah. So that's led me to learn about VLANs, which I had mentioned <laughs> before. Uh, Zach, have you done much with VLANs yet? Uh, yes, I have. I don't currently have any on my network, but I've certainly worked with them. So VLAN stands for virtual LAN, um, which the LAN is basically just <laughs> your home network. It's it is the it's essentially your router. Um, 
but what it does is is Zach mentioned 192.168.1.1 that's usually the IP address of a router and then that just assigns IP addresses to new devices by just changing that last number so it's 192.168.1.x whatever but a VLAN is essentially just a new software partition of the network to separate out to a different network. Uh, but it's still, you know, connected to all of your same hardware. But in your router, if your router lets you do this and is capable of handling it, uh, it allows you to segregate off all of the Internet of Things stuff, like your switches and your light bulbs and your Xbox and your Roku and whatever. And once those are on their own VLAN, you can then set up firewall rules that say, hey, everything on this IoT VLAN, don't allow anything to come into my real LAN that <laughs> yeah. I don't approve of. Yeah, when setting up a network, always remember the S in IoT stands for security. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um and the, you know some companies are getting better about this but you know those those IoT things usually open up ports which is essentially a I guess I don't know a good way to explain a port but um a a port is designed to allow a certain type of request or traffic uh, from one IP address to another. And this is, of course, very generalized. I'm not an expert on that. But um, what it will do is open up, you know, 12 new ports for information to go through. And you probably don't need all of them, especially not between your IoT stuff and your main stuff. So Absolutely. you can say, hey, router don't let that stuff go through and it'll just drop it. It won't transmit it to your, to your main land stuff. So that has, uh, greatly, uh, allowed me to feel more secure and also, you know, monitor how many packets are getting dropped and, uh, spoiler alert. It's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, also my Pi Hole, uh, which is a, a Pi Hole is the software that runs on a, a Raspberry Pi usually. Um, it is it essentially uh, has a list of domains and websites that you blacklist and say, hey, if any device on my network is requesting this site, don't do it. Just just disregard it. Just, you're <laughs> done, bud. Um, so that could be uh, URLs for ad sites. Could be you know Google Analytics and tracking. Uh, could be any number of of websites that things probably go search out for, even though you don't know. Like. If you've uh, if you've clicked on an article link on Twitter, you might have seen 
you know, the little web browser pop up and then you see up in the address bar, it goes to like Twitter analytics. And then it's like, it's like ad click go to, and then it's like, Oh, here's your actual site. Yeah. So all that stuff that goes on in the background, it's just, it just blocks it. Um, it doesn't allow it to go out to the internet and thus prevents it from coming back to you. So it's most commonly used for ads, but it can also be great for security and analytics and telemetry and stuff like that. Very important software, I think. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I really enjoy the user interface. It's very easy to maintain and set up. They're always updating it. Uh, I, 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 I wouldn't have a network without a pie hole anymore, honestly. Right. But, uh, Zach, are there any other things that you um, have discovered and things that you would recommend to people? Um, you know, I don't think so. I think that it's it's definitely worth looking into uh, to use, you know, some of the products and some of the uh, software that we've been talking about. Um, a lot of it's incredibly helpful, and, you know, some of it's a matter of security and privacy. But none of it is really all that difficult. And honestly, you can get a really great setup using some of this stuff for not that much more than your typical consumer network. Yeah. So I was doing that evaluation when I was thinking about getting a new router for the duplex. And Mm -hmm. I was looking at a a, a Nighthawk router pretty similar to yours. Mm -hmm. And of course, those are usually around, I don't know, 150 to 200 bucks. Right. And that can be a lot. And then I started looking into Ubiquity stuff and you have, and it's even cheaper. you have a, well, it's, well, I would say it's commensurate with the price. Yes. I um, think that's a good way to say it. So you get a, a 50 or $60 ethernet router firewall. You get a 50 to $80 managed ethernet switch. You get a $80 access point. And from there you've unlocked most all of the features that we've talked about and the very fine granular control over your domain. And by domain, I mean like home, not like (laughs) web domain. (laughs) Um, But like I said, it's, it's around the same price for a nice consumer Wi-Fi router. Right. And you're getting likely better performance probably better security and firmware updates. And if you, if the next generation of Wi-Fi comes out, like Wi-Fi six is now, Indeed. You, you just have to replace the access point, not the whole router and access point combo unit. Right. Right. You can keep all of your other stuff set up and just replace bits and pieces as you go. Um, but this whole journey has educated me a lot. Um, as I have dug more into it, there's of course always more to learn, but the resources out there are great. Uh, there are many YouTube channels and YouTube videos out there for, you know, getting these specific systems set up 
in the way that you would most likely want to do them. And it's all very doable for someone who wants to put in the time and effort um, and cares about the performance of their network and the safety. So, uh, Zach, I, I don't know how much uh, kind of research you've done or if you've found some good resources to, to learn about this stuff. I think, okay, a lot of my research into this topic has been centered around uh, gating certifications and, you know, setting up uh, products on the fly. But I think, like you said, the, the, there's such a wealth of useful information and helpful places um, that... It's, it's almost hard to go wrong. Yeah. And, uh, and just to kind of set the stage for this too, like the way networks work has largely been the same for 20 plus years. Like this stuff hasn't really changed that much. I mean, it's gotten no, it's faster and it's, <laughs> and it's allowed for more users and throughput, but the technology hasn't changed. The The way frames are passed, the way VLANs work, the way, you know, port forwarding works, it's all the same. And it always has been that way. Or at least relative to me, it always has. Correct. <laughs> so. Um, and... I think we've talked about briefly, Zach, how you've thought about putting together a PFSense box. I have indeed. PFSense is another great uh, option for somebody who wants to get into a business-grade router. Um, but PFSense is the software, and you can provide your own uh, system to run it on, which is usually just an old PC that yeah. you can put an Ethernet card into and <laughs> have the rockinest router you will ever have. Yeah, and fantastic firewall support. Yeah, so a lot. So a lot of the stuff we're talking about here is software defined. Um, yes, it's all software defined networking. Uh, all my ubiquity stuff just runs a custom Linux kernel that runs that does all this stuff in software. You know, it's not a big major hardware issue. You know, right. like I said, it's it's a CPU, it's some RAM, and then it's just an OS that it runs on. And so that can be scaled up to a full full-fledged PC where you can run, you know, multi-gigabit to wherever you want pretty easily <laughs> yeah and have other things going on in the background so yeah that's another thing to uh keep in mind is if you have a if you have a dusty old pc in the closet it's probably more than enough to run your network on it doesn't take much and as a bonus you can run a minecraft server on it there you go win-win can't lose uh, that's about all I have for this episode, Zach. Do you have anything else? I don't think I do, Dan. Okay. Well, this has been great. Uh, this is a topic that I've been pretty, 
pretty passionate about and uh, something I like to do. So I'm happy we could talk about it together. So am I. Thanks for having me, Dan. Yep. And thanks for listening. We'll catch you on the flippity flip. <laughs>